Welcome to the Mount Pisgah Student Life Podcast, where we will talk about all that God is doing right here in our ministry. Hey, everybody. Hey. How's everybody's day going? Um, it's kind of mediocre. I'm really hoping that the Holy Spirit is just going to speak through me right now because I have no thoughts in my brain. So no pressure or anything, but okay. Does anybody remember what book of the Bible you're in last week? One high schooler, no, one middle schooler, no high schoolers. That's pretty good, guys. First John, there we go. So this week we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, if you're a follower, a longer. Um, if you're not, then you can just listen. You know, that slays too. Um, I'm actually going to pray before we get started, so if you guys want to bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to speak, Lord. I pray that you would um, quiet the room, Lord, quiet our minds and our souls and open our hearts to the words that you have for us. Um, I pray that my words would be your words and anything um, that does not come straight from you would be stricken from our memory, Lord, as we cling to what is true. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm speaking from the CBS version because this Bible is just like randomly that. So if you have NIV, it might be a little different, but it's like basically the same. Seven. First John 4, 7. You can hear me breathing. How do I fix that? All right. So that was hashtag unhelpful. Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So I'm not going to lie. I was talking to Tyler earlier about how this passage didn't make any sense to me um, because I feel like the whole time he's just like God is love and love is God. So when you're not love, you're not God in love. And um, honestly, the point of that is because the whole point of this whole like section, knowing God through love, is that we can't know God without love. Who has heard the verse like God is love? Like, and there's the other verse that's like faith and hope and love and the greatest of these is love. Like it's a very important theme in the Bible. And that's because a lot of times God is defined as like sovereign and like knowing everything, which is what sovereign is and like omnipotent, like all this stuff. Um, but at the base level, God is love. That's what he is. And we as humans don't have, and as sinners really, don't have the ability to love without God. So any love that you've experienced, not really from like, any love that you've experienced that isn't from somebody who knows God, that's not godly love, that's worldly love. And a lot of times I think we mistake those things for each other because we're like, oh, this person loves me and like, that's great. And like, that is great, but if that person doesn't know God and the love coming from them to you, if that's not godly love, then it kind of doesn't count, which in like a human like worldly earthly perspective like kind of sucks but if you really think about it it's okay because you know god should be the most important thing to us so have you guys ever heard people like say like what happened like what came first like the chicken or the egg okay what do we think that has nothing to do with anything i just like really think that's funny so this is kind of like a chicken or egg situation because it's like okay if we have to have god to have love, then what came first? Like, do I start loving people around me and then they show me God's love and then I love God because I saw his love through other people? Or do you meet God first 
and then you show his love to other people. And I think a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I'm not Christian, and then my best friend is Christian, and she really loves me, so I see God's love, and then I come to know God. That is one of the ways that we can get to know God, but in order for you to truly love other people, you have to know God first. They can't come either or. You have to know God first. And that's because we are called to a relationship that causes us to have love to give to God, which sounds kind of confusing. But what I mean by that is part of the reason that we're called to a life with God and a relationship with God is so that we can have love. As I said before, none of the love that we have to give other people is important or meaningful or has any value or any sort of real kingdom-building impact on anybody's life unless it comes straight from God. And the only reason that you can have love from God, the only way that your love can come from God, is if you already have a relationship with him. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was having the qualities of God, because, like, you know, we're supposed to be Christ-like and God-like and all these values of God, like all the fruits of the Spirit. I know everyone from Confirmation just learned about fruits of the Spirit, and those are all um, qualities of the Holy Spirit, which is God and Jesus that we're supposed to have live in us, right? And one of the things that we learn in becoming Christ-like is that the only way to become Christ-like is to possess all the qualities of God. So if you're like, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, that's so great. Self-control out the window, but it doesn't even matter because like I have all the other ones. And um, I think we all have things that we kind of like pick and choose from. Like I am trying to be loving and gentle and kind. Um, I'm not patient. I have basically no self-control and basically say everything that's in my brain all the time, which crosses out gentle like most of the time, especially when I like don't have enough sleep. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm like super godly. I'm like loving people and like being really nice. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have the gentleness or the self-control. So you can't be fully godly. You can't be fully Christ-like because you don't have all of his qualities. And it's the same thing with love. You have to be loving towards others, not in an earthly way, but in a godly way. You have to let his love speak through you to people of all kinds, to everyone around us, to possess all the qualities of God so that we can become more like him. All that to say, loving God and loving people the way that God loves us is not a negotiable thing. This is something that we have to do if we want to have a true relationship with him. So to start us off, the question is basically, what is the purpose of your love? Why are you loving others? Are you loving others so that they'll love you back? Are you loving others because you think that you can get something from them? Are you loving them? I don't know. Why are you loving other people? What are you going through that makes you love people in an earthly way? There's nothing wrong with loving people because you want them to love you back and, you know, so that you can be friends with them and whatever. But the purpose and the root of your love should be only because God loves us. That should be the only reason we love other people is because God loves us first. So Tyler call, always calls this a litmus test, which is basically like this fancy test to like check the pH of things. I don't know if any of you are taking chemistry, but it checks the pH of things. So what the litmus test of your love will tell you where on the spectrum your love is. Are you loving so that you can get something out of people all the way to the other side, which is loving because God loved us first. So the first part, God is love, and in order to be like God, we have to have the love of God. Going back to verse 9 through 11, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, which atoning basically means just like end all be all, like the sacrifice for all of our sins. Where did it go? Oh, okay. Slay. Verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. So the whole point of this situation is that we know his love through Jesus. So have you guys ever heard of that analogy? Maybe you haven't, but if you do, this is my favorite analogy ever to talk to kids like at camp and stuff about finding Jesus. So it's like you're over here, okay? And then there's like a big chasm in the middle, so like it's very deep cliffs, etc. That was really good, John. That was some really good dancing. And then on the other side of the cliff, here's God, okay? And in the middle is like all the sin, all the bad stuff, you know, all the icky, gross things that separate us from God, okay? And Jesus died, basically, and a lot of times we draw like a cross that goes over the chasm, and then we talk about how Jesus is the bridge, like at Camp Lighthouse, you know? And Alan like walks over the glow sticks, and he's like, oh, look, Jesus is the bridge, okay? Totally true. But that's what we're talking about right now, is how God cannot exist with sin. And because God cannot exist with sin, he sent Jesus so that we could be connected to him. Now, if God cannot be connected to sin, and God is love, then can love be connected to sin? No. That was a good answer, guys. Good job. And because of this, in order to love like God, and in order to be in a godly relationship with other people, we cannot be connected to sin, and the only way to not be connected to sin is through Jesus. So this part of the passage is talking about that, how Jesus opens the door to God's love. If we go back, verse 9 says, God's love was revealed to us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world. There was a disconnect. Before Jesus was born, there's a disconnect between God's love and our love. If you look um, in the Old Testament, God is a master to the people. He's like big man on campus, boss to the people. But there's never a personal relationship. He doesn't have a personal relationship with the people on this earth. And you might say, oh my gosh, but like all these like things that happened in, in, the, New Test or in the Old Testament, like obviously he loved those people. But if you look at the true motivation behind what God was doing, yes, he had love for those people, but they weren't able to experience it in a true godly way. And the reason behind that is because Jesus had not come. So God's love could not be among us it could not be with us because we were still covered in sin because Jesus hadn't died yet verse 10 goes on to say love consists in this not that we loved God but that he loved us so God's love he doesn't need our love God didn't love us because we said that we would love him first we love others because God started it God said that he would love us first and so we spur others on to his love dear friends if God loved us in this way meaning in a way that's unconditional and that's constant, we must love others in this way. And that's the difference between godly love and worldly love. Worldly love is completely conditional. I know that I'm like, oh, I would like love my friends no matter what. But there are times when you don't like your friends. And yes, there are times when we cannot get along with God, but God's love is unconditional and he will always love us no matter how often we sin, no matter how many times we have to ask for forgiveness. And as I said before, that's the difference between worldly love and godly love. I saw this TikTok the other day, and it was this woman. I'm really sorry you can hear me breathe. I just don't know what to do about it, though. It's fine. Tyler's laughing at me in the back. It's like, I saw this TikTok the other day, and it was this woman, and she was probably like, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, but she was like 30 or something, 
and she was a recovering drug addict, and this lady that she, like, met at the grocery store invited her to church on a Sunday, so she, like, went to this, like, women's group, and they started this group by going around in a circle, and everybody said their favorite thing about Christians, and the first thing that, like, I thought about when she said that, I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense, because, like, Christians are people, and they sin, and, like, I don't know, this is not, like, church is not just, like, a Christian hype club, you know, like, that's just, like, not the point, and everyone went around, and, like, Christians are so kind, and Christians are so loving, and, like, I just see the love of God through everybody, and it got to this lady, and she was, like, the only experience I've ever had with a Christian was when I was a teenager, and I had just gotten out of rehab, and I went to the grocery store for the first time, and I bought a devotion book, I bought a Bible, and the lady said, oh, you're Christian, and this teenager who had just gotten out of drug rehab said, yeah, I'm, like, trying to, like, read my Bible and grow a relationship with God, and the cashier said, Christians don't dress like that, the way that you're dressed right now, Christians don't dress like that. She was straight out of rehab at the grocery store buying a Bible and devotion book, and somebody who probably claimed to be Christian, I'm going out on a limb here, a very confident, thick limb, was like, oh, Christians don't dress like that. And that's a perfect example of worldly love. It's a perfect example of everything that you see, like I was talking with Tyler earlier, everything that you see on TikTok and like, I don't know, other things. All I do is TikTok, it's such a problem. And there's a million things about why God isn't real. And like, part of the reason is because if God was real, Christians wouldn't act the way that they would. If God was real, Christians wouldn't sin, and Christians would love people unconditionally, and there would be nothing wrong with us. And there are so many people who say, I've never felt more judged than when I used to go to church. I never felt more judged than when I was surrounded by people who loved Jesus. How many of us in here wear what would Jesus do bracelets? Put your hand down if you've never done anything while wearing that bracelet that Jesus wouldn't do. Everybody, raise your hand if you own a What Would Jesus Do bracelet. Who in the room has done something that Jesus would not do while wearing their What Would Jesus Do bracelet? Relatable, okay? Every single person's hands should be in the air. A couple of them went down, and I'm like, listen, that's between you and God, but, like, probably not. And the reason that I ask that question is because the whole point of what would Jesus do, Jesus would love others. Jesus would love others unconditionally. It goes back to this whole theme of Christians being hypocritical and Christians not loving each other and God isn't real because this, that, and the other. It's because they're looking at human love. It's because we're not capable of love like God is capable of. And that's why Jesus opens the door to God's true love. Once you have a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with God, the sin that we have between us and God the separation is no longer there because of Jesus. And then we have a connection to him because Jesus opens the door for us to God's love. Verse 12 through 16. No one has ever seen God. Think about that. No one has ever seen God. And then John goes on to say, if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. You guys ever heard like, oh, I hope they see God in me. So there's example one. God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. Example number two, this is how we know that we remain in him, and he is in us. He has given us of his spirit. So there's example number two. We see and we testify that the Father has sent his Son 
I can hear myself breathing. As the world's savior. There's example number three. And example number four, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Verse 16, and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So when we read this, we read it as a question. The first verse, verse 12, has no one ever seen God? There are four ways that we see God. We see God through the spirit. Whenever Jesus died for us, he died for our sins. He came back to life, but the sins stayed dead, so he beat death, right? He beat sin. He ascended into heaven, and then the spirit came to live in us. That is the spirit of God. That is the soul of God. That is the personality of God. And the personality of God, the soul, the spirit of him, now comes and lives in us. How many of you guys have, like, a friend or, I don't know, I guess a friend or, like, a family member, maybe even a sibling that, like, looks exactly like your parents? Like, everyone's always like, Anna, you look exactly like your mom. And, like, that's great because she slays. But, like, I have a couple of friends. They look exactly like their parents. Harper, Harper looks exactly like her mom, okay? Exactly like Bess. That is what it should look like for others to see God in us. Like, I see Bess in Harper. People see my mom in me. I should see the spirit in all of you, and you should see the spirit in me. So that's the first example of how we see God. The second example, we testify to others about him. You tell people about him. You tell people about your camp experience, about your church experience, about the love that you have for him, about the love that he has for you. You spread the word of God to others wherever you go. The third way that we see God, we confess that he is the son of God. We give our lives to him through salvation and then through making him our Lord. Remember when he talked about, is he your Lord or is he your savior? So the way that we confess that he's the son of God is at first confessing, that's the salvation bit, and then going from Lord to Savior is deciding to live for him. And then the fourth way that we see God is we know and have experienced the love that he has for us. If you're in this room and you're not saved, first of all, if you want to talk about being saved, I would love to talk to you about that. The other sales, Tyler, Michelle, Caroline, would love to talk to you about that. Um, but when you are saved, and you have a relationship with him so that your sin no longer separates you from the love, you then experience the love that he has for you. And that's the fourth way that we see God. I think one of my favorite things about this passage is saying, is that it's talking about love, obviously, as our main theme. But the whole point, it says knowing God through love. What a better way to know God through love than to see God's love in others, and there are the four ways that we see him. Verse 17 through 19. In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world, meaning confident. As he is confident, we are also confident in the world because of his love. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love, which is God's love, Perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love, and we love because he first loved us. Somebody count how many times I've said loved in the last, like, 20 minutes. 17 through 19 is probably my favorite part of this. I don't know. But the whole point of this part is that love cannot exist with fear or punishment, which is kind of the red thread through this whole sermon. We talked about how there's the chasm, and the chasm is full of sin, and, you know, Jesus 
goes over the chasm. So now we can be one with God and we can have all of his attributes and we can see him and we can love like how he is loved. The point of this is saying love doesn't exist with sin and it protects us from fear and it protects us from punishment. So if you have God in your life and you have God's love in your life, you can be confident on judgment day. You can be confident before Jesus. You can be confident before God and in your relationship with him. If you love him and he loves you, which he does love you, then you have no reason to be fearful of sin, to be fearful of punishment when judgment day comes. And the reason we're able to have this confidence, again, is because we have the love of God because Jesus came, which means that Jesus is the embodiment of the sin dying and our connection with love through God. Verse 20 through 21. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So that actually just said the same thing like four times. If you have the love of God in you, apparently, and you hate your brother and sister, then you actually don't. And obviously, the brother or sister doesn't just mean brother and sister. It just means everybody, but we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. This part in the notes says that Jesus completes the cycle. And the cycle that I'm talking about is, you know, how back in, like, at the beginning, I was talking about how in the Old Testament, God like did things that make it seem like he loved them, which he did. He loved people in the Old Testament. But it's different than New Testament love. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Jesus. Jesus came, and that's why in the Old Testament, Jesus or God was seen as more of like a master, kind of like overcomer situation. And in the New Testament, God was seen as love, and God was seen as having a perfect relationship. And basically the last two things that I have to say is the cycle that this completes is that Jesus fulfilled the love between people. So in the Old Testament, because people were separated from God because Jesus hadn't been born any, like yet, the love that I have for all of you wouldn't have been godly because I couldn't have godly love because Jesus hadn't died, because I was still separated from God. But now that we are one with God, we can love each other in a godly way which is the whole point. The whole point that we are all here together and the whole point that we were all created is so that we could love one another and we could love God and we can spread his word. And what better way to spread his word, the word of God, than to show God's love to other people, which Jesus allowed us to do. The second thing, the last thing that Jesus fulfilled when he connected us to God was the relationship between God and people as Savior and Lord. That's, again, what I was talking about with the New Testament is in the New Testament now, you have the opportunity to come to him. You have the opportunity to show people godly love because he's not only your Lord, but he's also your Savior. If you could all pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you um, for every single person in this room, Lord. I pray that anybody who feels separated from you, Lord, feels far from you, whether or not they have started a relationship with you, Lord, um, they're looking to get back into one, um, or they're going steady with your love, Lord. Um, I pray that you would just shower them with that this upcoming week, Lord, with your love and with your peace and with your grace and mercy, Lord.
I pray that the love that we showed other people would be unconditional, that it wouldn't be worldly love, Lord, that it wouldn't be based off of worldly standards, Lord, that the only reason that we would love other people is because you first loved us. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for closing the gap that sin created, Lord. I thank you for sending Jesus so that we could have a love for other people like you do for us. And it's in your name I pray, amen.